Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First United Methodist Church's sermon podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go online at TahlequahUMC.org. Thank you, and have a blessed day. I almost want to preach all the way over here so I don't get in the way of this beautiful cornucopia, and I don't want to step on any fake grapes. I'm going to be over here. I'll be a little off-center today, okay? So you'll just have to deal. So I want, to do, I want to share a story with you before we really get started. A local lawmaker was running for re-election in a small town in Oregon and was going door-to-door to check on her constituents and finding out who they were voting for, and she was getting to know her people, and this is, just feels too weird, sorry. I'm not normally this way, but I like things sometimes centered. But anyway, this, this Oregon center, uh, center was going around, and she was knocking on doors, going door to door, and, and just knocking on her constituent's door and saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm, vote, you know, I'm running for this, I'm running for state senate, can, you, uh, can I have your vote, and all that stuff. And according to the story in the Oregon, uh, Senator Representative Janelle Bynum was taking note on someone on her smartphone of her previous conversation when she noticed a deputy of a patrol car along the other side of the southeast of 125th Avenue. Officer Campbell asked if she was selling something, for which she gave Bynum an opportunity to introduce herself as a state legislator. In the attempt to make some sense of the situation, Bynum asked to get in touch with a suspicious neighbor. They eventually spoke on the phone, and the neighbor apologized. Audio from the 911 call revealed that the neighbor initially felt Bynum had no apparent reason to be walking from house to house, despite the fact she had campaign flyers on her person. When the call taker asked the neighbor if she had had talked to Bynum, she felt that Bynum was avoiding her, despite the fact that Bynum had spoken to her three-year-old son. Both Bynum and Campbell left in good spirits and eventually posed together for a selfie. But Bynum was still surprised that after visiting an estimated of 70,000 homes as part of her previous campaign, there were still constituents who would rather call the police than attempt to engage her in conversation. She reflected, it boils down to people not knowing their neighbors and people having a sense of fear in their neighborhoods, which is kind of my job to help eradicate. But at the end of the day, it's important for people to feel like they can talk to each other to help minimize misunderstandings. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the art of neighboring. And sometimes, like this situation, misunderstandings happen with our neighborhoods. We have people that will come in that we don't know and who may look different than us and act different than us. And what's our first response is to act into fear, to get a little bit nervous, isn't it? I don't know about you, but in this season, when, when people come to my door knocking, wanting to vote for somebody, I'm less likely to vote for that person because they're disturbing my time. I said less likely. That doesn't mean I'm not going to. I'm just less likely to do it because they're monopolizing on my time. They've infringed on my home. And, and you know, honestly, the flyers, I mean, talk about the trees we could save if campaigning was just as simple as sending a phone call or being on television I just struggle with this season, but in this art of neighboring, I want to encourage us to open ourselves up to our neighborhoods and and call us to to look at ourselves and and to look at the people around us and ask ourselves, do we really know our neighbor before we can even ask ourselves, do we really love our neighbor? 
And for some people, that may be a little bit difficult. Some of us, our neighbors may be blocks or miles away, depending on our our situation. Or some of us may have more neighbors than we know what to do with because we live in an apartment complex. But for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at this great commandment and thinking about how we can take it literally. How can we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves? Jesus has something to say about this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Would you please open your Bibles to that? A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law and how do you interpret it? The legal expert responded, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right. So he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man went down to Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked and beat him up and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot and saw the injured man. He crossed over the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan who was on a journey came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him with a bandage on his wound, with bandages wounds, tending them with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey and took him at an inn and took care of him. The next day he went two full days worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him when I return. I will pay you back any additional cost. What do you think? Which one of these... Three was a neighbor to the man who encountered the thieves. The legal expert said, The one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So I want to invite you to open up this nice little thing that we've been giving you, the reflection guide. And I want you to look at this back page with a thing that looks at the homes. Now, for some of you, this might be a little bit of an eye-opening experience. Some of you may try to figure out who are your neighbors because you have so many distant neighbors. But I want to give you just a minute to look at these questions. Question A, write the names of the people who live in the home. And those are your neighbors. You're the center block. So think about your neighbors. And that can be however you determine depending on your neighborhood, okay? So write down those names. Now, I want you to, and and I'm going to go a little fast here. You can take this home and and really reflect on it. But then write down some relevant information about each neighbor. Some fact about them which you couldn't see from your doorway. Now, see, like I said, I know I'm going a little bit fast here. But you can take this home and reflect on it. Write down something you would only know after connecting with your neighbor. The author of the book, The Art of Neighboring, 
said that only about 10% can fill out the names of eight neighbors. About 3% when doing this can fill out question B for every home. And less than 1% can fill out line C for every home. One of the questions that the Art of Neighboring book asks, I love this question, what good things might happen if we truly got to know the people in our neighborhood and how they got to know you? What good things might happen? One, you'd be a little bit safer because, like in the case of the story that I read for you, if people were going around like that shouldn't be in the neighborhood, you could all call each other and say, hey, did, did you catch this? Or in some neighborhoods, like I know when we lived in Calumet, now granted there was only two houses, uh, we were one house and we had, a, we had really only three houses in our little block, but when the vacuum salesman would, guy would come along, I'd receive a text message, hey, vacuum salesman guy's coming today. So I knew not to answer my door because I didn't want the vacuum guy to come in and, you know, try to sell me a vacuum cleaner I could not afford. But could you imagine if we actually, like, we're good neighbors? Could you actually know if we actually could take care of one another? Jesus, in his statement this week, is, is challenging us to open ourselves up to, to who are our neighbors. And sometimes we have physical neighbors. Sometimes we have people that live next door to us or down the dirt road or, or around the corner. Or um, Sometimes we have neighbors that sit in our pews. What if I drew this up as a congregation? How well would you know the people around you? Now, for some of you, that, that alternates depending on the week. And some of you are, are very uh, nice and you like to move around from pew to pew. And so it's hard to know who you're sitting next to week after week. But what if you got to know your neighbor in your pew? How would that change your mind on, on how you would treat one another? In 2009, the authors of this book, The Art of Neighboring, they gathered about 20 lead pastors in the city of Denver to think, dream, and pray about how their churches could work together to better serve the city. And so one of the things they did is they sat down with the mayor of Denver and, and asked him several questions. What could we do to do better? What could we do uh, to, to be better churches? What could we do to live to be the Christ that we're called to be in this world and the author of the book said, the mayor said this profound statement. The majority of injustices that our community is facing would be eliminated drastically or reduced drastically if we first could figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. The mayor pushed the pastors to remind them of that great commandment. That we're to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, could you imagine in our community if, if we could do that? Could you imagine if we could just ta start small, and, and maybe we have to even start smaller. I, I initially was thinking about just starting in our neighborhoods, but what if we just started in our pews? What if we got to know the people around us? And not just by their name. You know, this is great that we have a, a congregation that's willing to wear name tags and, and, and actually get to say your, uh, people's names, but it's hard to remember those names when you're at Walmart. And people come up to you, and, and you know who they are, but you don't know their name. That's not what love looks like. Love gets to know the name. Remember when you were a teenager and you were in love? You knew everything about that person. You were willing to, to, to do whatever it took to get to know that person. And I know as a teenager, man, I spent a lot of money 
trying to win girls over. And some of them I didn't even know their name. And we can't get anywhere unless we know somebody's name, can we? What if we started small? This art of neighboring is not something that it's, it's difficult. It's not something that, that will take time. It's as simple as living into that great commandment. Because if we love each other and take care of each other, imagine what that will do for our community. Imagine what that will do for the world if people can say, hey, look, Tahlequah, they actually love each other, even though they have differences. This week is Bedlam. For those of you on one team's side, you got to learn how to love the other team's side. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Who cares if it's OSU or OU? We're called to love each other. Drop the letters. Get to know each other. Now, when it comes game time, yeah, they, they can be the other team. But they're not the devil. How dare we look at people like that? That's not what Jesus calls us to do. Tuesday is voting day. Don't look at the person who votes differently than you as pure evil. Because they're not. They're just different. God calls us to love those people. He doesn't call us just to love people who think and act exactly like us. Because let's be honest, that would be few and far between. In this story, as I was reading it this morning, it hit me pretty hard. Because I was thinking to myself, I asked myself, which one of I, am I? Which one of the three am I? If I were to see someone wounded on the side of the road, which one of the three would I be? I can point to times in my life when I've been the priest. I can point to times in my life when I've been the Levite. And I can point to times when I've been the Samaritan. Now realize, for Jesus to tell this story is huge because, one, he's going to Jericho. That's where, that's where things happen. And that's where, you know, it's a rough road. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho was known as a rough road. So this guy was somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be, which is usually the first excuse when people say, well, they deserve what they got. The priest could have looked aside of that and actually shown mercy and taken care of the guy. The Levite could have done the same thing. The Samaritan. Jesus uses the Samaritan. Understand this. For a person listening to the story, to hear the word Samaritan is like hearing the word of the other or hearing the word of the team that you hate or hearing the word of the, te- of the person that you don't agree with. Jesus is pointing out the fact that the other person stopped and helped this person. And so when Jesus turns the the wheels on the legal expert, which one of these was a neighbor? The legal expert said the one that showed mercy. And I'm sure in that moment, in this story, I'm sure that the legal expert kind of hit him in reality because he saw himself as either the priest or the Levite. Never thought of himself as a Samaritan. Because that's the Samaritan. That's No. But then Jesus challenges him. Go and do likewise. The art of neighboring starts in our hearts. It starts when we develop some flexibility and compassion. No, your neighbor isn't going to have a yard exactly like yours because you don't see eye to eye on how things need to be. No, your neighbor may love to like over-decorate for Christmas while you may just have a tree out in your front yard. That's okay. 
the art of neighboring takes to get to know one another. It takes to extend the hand and say, hey, let's work together for a common good. For us to take the great commandment literally, it is to be a good neighbor. You know, every time I hear that word good neighbor, my head immediately goes to State Farm is there. Yours did too, doesn't it? What if we flip that? Like a good neighbor, a Christian is there. Like a good neighbor, Jesus is there. And that's who we're called to be like. We're called to be that good neighbor. So as you look back at that chart, don't weep. Don't take it as though you're failing. Take it as a challenge. A challenge for you to get to know your neighbor. A challenge for you to get to know the people around you, the people that you see every day that you may not really know. Because you may not know that the person sitting next to you may be dealing with something and needs you to just be with them. You may not know that the the person who uh, is your neighbor may be going through something really bad that really could use community. And on this day, when we remember all the saints, if you knew those people, they were community-focused. I was thinking of Ruth Ann today. She got it. She understood what love the neighbor meant. It didn't mean if making sure that kids had shoes or making sure that, that no one went without. And I think we shouldn't limit ourselves. We all have what it takes to be a good neighbor. We all have what it takes because God created us to love our neighbor and to love God. Now that's a hard challenge. Because let's be honest, sometimes our neighbors do things that we just do not like. I can't say that about my neighborhood. We have no complaints. But I feel guilty. Because I don't know eight names. I feel guilty because I don't know eight people in their lives that literally we share life together because we share space. I bet Emily does a better job than I do because she knows the kids around our area because she gets it. Laura gets it. Kids understand what loving other people look like. Why have we forgotten that? And that's what we're going to spend next week looking at. We're going to talk about some of those things, those barriers that we put up, those walls that we create that keep us from getting to know our neighbor. So I want to invite you back next week. I want you to think about those things that keep you from growing closer to God. Because if we love God and we love our neighbor as ourselves, amazing things can and will happen. But it takes us to get out of the boat to do it. And so my hope and prayer is that by the end of the sermon series that maybe your list of maybe three names becomes five. I'm asking for small movement. I'm not asking for big change, but start small. And if you have to, start smaller. Get to know the people who are sitting around you every Sunday morning. Because if you can do that, the next thing becomes easier. And the next thing becomes easier. So taking this great commandment literally... It's a tough challenge. 
But if we go and do likewise, this community can be transformed for the kingdom of God. But it takes each and every one of us to do it. So think and pray about how God is calling you into action. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah First Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. If you'd love to join us in person, we worship at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And you can find out more information about us by going online at tahlequahumc.org.